I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. ...of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. I'm glad tonight that not only have I heard, I know. Uh, Brother Krauss, I, I am going to say one thing in... Uh, just kind of uh, correcting what you said earlier, if you want to consider it as such. Uh, we can say, well, the Lord didn't answer this prayer. No, that's not true. That's not true. Isaiah 65 and 21 said, before they call, I will answer. The answer is coming. If you haven't received it, the answer is on its way. If you haven't received it, it is, it, 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 it's not that God hasn't answered. The answer is coming. You go to Daniel and you begin to read. And Daniel said, man, I've been praying 21 days. Where you been? And the angel said, look, I was held up by the prince of Persia. The answer came the first day. Sometimes the enemy will, will throw up roadblocks. And, and, and the Lord allows that just to see what we're going to do. Just because you haven't got your answer. I'm going to tell you something. I, I was The Lord gave me a promise back in the 80s it was some 30 years later before I saw that promise come to fruition didn't change the fact I had a promise didn't change the fact that he had told me what he was going to do it just was a matter of waiting on the Lord thank God if you have your Bibles tonight we're thankful for everyone that is here tonight we want to go to the book of Luke we're going to go to Luke chapter number 10 Luke chapter number 10. I am looking forward to revival. Uh, just just so happens that situations and circumstances at work kept me from taking vacation for three weeks. And I'm on vacation this week. So I get to be here Friday, Saturday, and then, of course, Sunday. So thank God for that. Y'all have put up with me three days in a row. See my ugly mug. Thank God. Come in and hide your face. Whatever. Thank God. Luke chapter number 10. We are going to begin reading in verse number 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha received him unto her house. And she had a sister called Mary. Everybody say Mary. Turn to your neighbor and say, she had a sister named Mary. Which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving. She was, she was laden down. She was bothered. She was busy. And came to him, who Jesus, and said, Lord, dost not thou care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary 
hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken from her. Just for a few minutes, I want to preach to you something entitled, Choosing That Good Thing. Let's all pray together right now. Lord Jesus, we're thankful tonight for your goodness and your grace. We're thankful tonight for your mercy and kindness. Thankful tonight for your spirit that is in this house and for all that you have done and that which you are doing. Now, Lord, I pray that you would anoint this vessel to bring forth your word according to your divine will and purpose. Anoint our hearts to receive that from you, which you would have us to receive. Help tonight, Lord, leave this place knowing that we have been in your presence to receive something. Lord, we ask it all in Jesus' name. Everybody said, in Jesus' name. You can be seated. I don't know how many times you've read this scripture, how many times you've heard it preached from, how many times you've heard it mentioned in church. And I couldn't tell you how many times that I have heard it in all my years of being in the house of God. And I, I, I never really thought too much about it. I, you know, I, I, I know, I know how it is when uh, the holidays roll around, special occasions, the women folk get together and and they they begin to labor and they cook and they they do all the things in the kitchen and they begin to set the table and they begin to you know do all the all the nice things and uh, you know it, it's it, God love my wife she likes to put out all the fancy stuff and everything you know as far as I'm concerned get the chinette and the disposable and let's get at it. Uh, you know, I don't have to worry about the dishwasher, I, uh, and, and thank God, uh, my, my daughter and my wife are dishwashers, and they do a great job of that, even though I've got a dishwasher in the cabinet, uh, you know, it, it just, it, it's needful to wash them by hand. And they, they get all wrapped up in that, and getting everything out, and, and doing all those things, and spending hours upon hours preparing and doing and getting all those things. I understand that. I've watched my mother over the years from uh, the time that I lived at home, and I would watch her as she would prepare for the holiday meal. And, and now as she is in her 80s and still in quite good health, uh, she doesn't do that anymore. She doesn't get involved with those kinds of things. And she said there's not much sense in it uh, because there are younger ones that need to be doing that. And, you know, it, it's, we, we look and we see and, and we watch as people become involved with things that it's all well and good, but really, what is the purpose of it all? And we begin to read here tonight an account of Jesus coming into a house. In the preceding verses, he had been talking to some of the people there and began to talk about the Good Samaritan. He began to lay out the parable of the man that had laid beside the road and was at the point of death. And how that religion and how that Judaism, the law, had passed him by, but a Samaritan, somebody that was despised and rejected of men, had came by. And the object lesson was not lost at the moment for those that were around. But we find that as Jesus finishes the parable, 
And he begins to walk. Martha comes to him and tells him, you need to come to my house. I've got, I've got dinner prepared. I've got everything ready for you to come to my house. And I want you to come and to dine there with me today. Give me liberty as I read into this. And we find that Jesus goes and he makes his way into the house of Martha and of Mary. It is in this house that the the food is smelling great and good and, and everything is looking nice. But we find that Mary quickly leaves the kitchen behind and goes to where Jesus is at and sits and begins to listen to the words that emanate from this man, this son of God, this one that is God manifested in the flesh. She forgot all about the cares of the day. She forgot all about the preparing of the meal. She forgot all about the the humdrum life that she had been living. And she began to realize those things are not important. But what is important to me is this one good thing that I sit at the feet of this one that has life and death in his mouth. This one that is able to wave his hand over the leprosy and it be cured. This one that is able to speak to the blind and their eyes that are opened. This one that is able to look at those that are unable to walk or to hear or to do anything at all and to speak a word and they're able to restore, be restored. This one good thing. I've got to choose one good thing in this life. I remember Years ago, when Carrie, my youngest, uh, we would go to the 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 uh, smorgasbords. We would go to the all you can eat, the pig out joints, and it used to just frustrate the very life out of me. We would go in there, and they would have all the you know meatloaf and chicken and chicken and chicken and more chicken, and then they had some other stuff too, and. She would go up and she would get pizza. And I mean, that pizza wasn't even worth throwing away, but she would go up and get pizza and something else. Son, it didn't even compare to CeCe's. And I, I, I would get so exasperated with her. And I'd say, Carrie, I've come in here. We have laid down some decent money, and you're going to eat hot dogs and pizza? And the pizza ain't even any good. She said, it's what I want, Dad. But there's other things on the buffet that are so much better. No, this is what I want. And as I began to think about that, I began to think about people that they begin to they get into the house of God. And they come to the church and they begin to find themselves busy with other things and busy about serving the Lord and busy about doing things for Him. But they begin to lose focus of the one thing that is of the most value. They begin to lose focus and sight of the one thing that is really more valuable than anything else. Don't get me wrong, my friend. There is certainly an area and a place that we need to serve the Lord. But there 
there is also a time that we need to come and find ourselves sitting at His feet and listening to His Word and laying everything aside and realizing there is one thing that is important. There is one thing that I need more than anything else. There is one place that I need to be more than anywhere else. And that is at the feet of Jesus. We find Martha comes out. She's a little irritated. The expression says, Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. I'll say amen twice to that. You know, a woman gets her back up. Solomon, who was the wisest man that ever lived, said it's better for a man to live in the corner of a housetop than in a wide house with a brawling woman. And here comes Martha. She's sideways. She's upset. She's mad. Here I, we've been working together and all of a sudden Jesus comes into the house and you want to forget about me. Jesus, you don't seem to understand. We were working good together until you came into the house and you need to speak to Mary and you need to tell Mary that she needs to get up and she needs to come back here and serve with me. That she needs to come back and get involved with things with me and quit being at your feet. And Jesus looked at her and he said, Martha, you you don't seem to understand. I know what the problem is. You've got a lot of cares. You've got a lot of problems. You've got a lot of things going on in your life. But when you begin to understand, if you just put that stuff aside, it doesn't matter about what you made for dinner. It doesn't matter about the china that you're serving it on. It doesn't matter about the goblets and the forks and the spoons and everything being laid out all right. What matters is the one thing that is more important than anything else is that she is at my feet and I will not take that from her. I invite you to go with me so that you may understand the context why that Mary was so enamored and so desirous to be at the feet of Jesus. Why did she chose to forsake everybody and everything else and to find her way at that place where Jesus was at? If you would go back just a couple of three chapters to the seventh chapter of the book of Luke. And we begin to read in the 36th verse. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, which when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. Now you read between the lines. There's children here and I don't want to go into it, but you read between the lines what this woman's profession was. You begin to read and understand who she was. And stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now, when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, 
he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is, and that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Jesus said, I, he didn't say it here, but he said, I am come to seek and to save that which is lost. This woman was a sinner. She, she was an outcast. She was of the lower caste in society. She had been out doing the thing that she did to earn her living. But yet when she found out that Jesus was in the house, there was something down on the inside of her that said, I must go to where he is and I must worship him. I must begin to pour myself out to him. I must begin to give to him something that is of value to me. My friend, when you and I came to the Lord, whether it was when you were a child or whether you were an adult, when we came to Him, we began to pour ourselves out unto Him. We began to offer unto Him that which we had, which was really nothing at all. We began to pour ourselves out. Why? Because we recognized and realized that He was the Almighty. We recognized and realized that I needed to be in His presence. We recognized and realized I need to worship Him. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence, the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many... Her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said unto the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Now, Watch this as we go to John chapter number 11. We begin to read at verse number 1 so that you'll understand who this Mary was. Who this Mary was in the 10th or the 11th chapter there of the book of Luke that was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Or the 10th chapter, I'm sorry. The 11th chapter of the book of John tells me, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany. And the town of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary 
which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. It was that Mary that when Martha began to complain, it was that Mary that had been the streetwalker. It was that Mary that had worshipped Him when nobody else would. It was that Mary who recognized and realized that this is the God of glory. And I need to worship Him whether He does anything for me or not. I am going to pour myself out to Him. And it was when He looked at her and He said, Thy sins be forgiven thee, that nothing else mattered anymore from that point in time. She recognized and realized that whenever Jesus is around, I've got to give Him all my attention, that whenever Jesus is around, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I've got to lay it aside, and I've got to give to Him. I've got to listen to His words, because He spoke to me one day, when I was an outcast, when nobody loved me, when nobody cared about me, when everybody pushed me aside, when I was used and abused, He looked at me, and He loved me, and He forgave me, and therefore, When he's around, I'm going to hear his voice. When he's around, I'm going to worship him. When he's around, I'm going to choose to be with him. Martha, many things are needful. But this is one thing that's more expedient. This is one thing that's going to go beyond what we can eat, what we can enjoy. This will go beyond... The things that life itself can never accomplish. You see, when we begin to enter into His presence, we begin to sit at His feet, we begin to find that there is blessing there. We begin to find that there is hope that is there. I have found oftentimes when I would go to Him in prayer, overwrought with the day's cares, overwrought with the things of life, feeling depressed and feeling down, feeling downtrodden, feeling as though that everything was gone, all hope was lost, there was nothing left, feeling like the disciples out in the boat when the ship was sinking, and they said, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to perish, that all of a sudden, that when I called on that name, Jesus rose up and stepped to the bow of my ship and began to to speak the words, peace, be still. He began to speak into my life and say, I have called you out for a moment like this. I have ordained you to be my child. I have called you to serve me with integrity. I have chosen you and I will not cast you aside. I have graven thee upon my palms and I know that you are mine and that I belong to you. When I begin to understand that when I get in His presence, regardless of what's going on around me, regardless of what's happening in the service around me, when I begin to worship Him, when I begin to sit at His feet, when I begin to listen expressly to His voice, when I begin to hear Him and Him only, it doesn't matter about anything else. It doesn't matter about what others may say. It doesn't matter what others may do. My mind is set. My vision is fixed. My ears are opened to hear the word that comes from the one that forgave me of all my sin. My dad, in his 70s, and I 
I didn't, I never saw this until he came here to visit. And the first song they began to sing, they hadn't got more than a dozen words into it. His hands went up. He stepped into the aisle. Tears began to stream down his face. He walked around the church. The next service that he was there, and he did that all through song service. The next service that he was there, first song, first half a dozen words that were out, his hands went up. Tears screaming down his face. He got out in the aisle and he began to march around. Didn't matter whether it was a fast song. Didn't matter if it was a slow song. Didn't matter if it was a, a, a song that was had the people juking and jiving. It didn't matter if everybody was sound asleep while they were singing it. He had his hands raised, tears streaming down his face, and he was worshiping the Lord. Somebody asked him, they said, Doc, why in the world do you do that? He said, you don't seem to understand. I was lost and on my way to a devil's hell. But Jesus came to where I was at, and he spoke to me when religion said I was no good. When the people said I was no good, when there was no hope for me at all, Jesus came to where I was at, and he spoke to me, and he said, Thy sins be forgiven thee. And he said, I shall never, as long as I have breath, as long as I have strength, I will always worship the one that has called me out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I will not sit on my hands. I will not sit in the pew, but I will Worship Him because it's more important. I've chosen that one good thing. I asked my mother about it. She said, honey, she said every time we go to church, she said the first time or two, I thought, well, this is a passing fancy. She said after six months, I thought, well, it ain't going to pass. And she said, I was a little embarrassed sometimes and then she said the pastor came to me and said sister Arlene don't be embarrassed the Lord has forgave him of much and he is just thankful for what the Lord has done he didn't care what kind of service it was he didn't care who sat in the pew he didn't care who pointed a finger or laughed at him all he knew was I'm choosing that one good thing and that's Jesus He's the one that saved me. He's the one that bought me. He's the one that redeemed me. He's the one that called me out. He's the one that forgave me. He's the one that waited for me. He's the one that called me. He's the one that changes my life. He's the one that gives me the strength and the breath and the ability to walk on. That one good thing. And as I'm here tonight, I would encourage Someone as the musicians would come. I would encourage someone to understand it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about what your life has been. It doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter from what side of the tracks you're from. It doesn't matter about your background. What matters is that you choose that one good thing. I want Jesus. More than anything else, I want Jesus. My dad said my favorite scripture. He quoted it all the time. The eighth chapter of the book of Mark. If, if a man, what would it profit a man if he'd gain the whole world and lose his soul? He said, I, 
He said, Doug, more than anything else, I want to go to heaven. Jesus has been good to me. He said, he's been too good to me. I don't deserve what he's gave me, but I want to worship him. My mother said that she would find him all over the house in prayer. She said it was not uncommon to go into the back room and there he would be in prayer. He would go, she would go outside and find him on the front porch and there he would be in prayer. She said at the, at the high point of his life before the dementia began to rob him of his capacities and and his his facilities. He would spend six and seven hours a day in prayer seeking the face of God saying, Lord, I love you. I want you to save my children. I want you to work in my life. I want you to, to just to speak to me what I need to hear. Not what I want to hear. He would tell my mother, If you see me make shipwreck, if you see me make an error, tell me. Don't show me any favoritism. He told his pastor, he said, Pastor, he said, I want you to be as hard on me as you possibly can because I want to be saved. I owe it to him. I owe it to him because of what he's done for me. You see, I had nothing. I had nothing to offer. But when he came to Jesus, he began to pour himself out. He began to anoint the feet of Jesus, if you will. He entered to that place of humility and got in that place where that he recognized and realized the only thing that is important is him. The only thing that really matters is being in his presence. The only thing that really amounts to anything at all is how much can I give to Jesus? How much can I be in his presence when he comes to my house? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's going on. I'm going to stop everything when he comes to my house. and I'm going to hear him. I'm going to be in his presence. I'm going to sit at his feet. I'm going to listen to his words. As we would stand tonight, we have come to the house of God. Some of you feel like Mary Magdalene. Mary that was the sister of Lazarus. Mary, the one that they said, if you knew who this was, you would shoo her away. Oh, no. No, no. I come to seek and to save that which is lost. You may feel tonight as though, what is my purpose? What is my point? Let me tell you tonight, your purpose and point is to serve Jesus. We, we were made to worship Him. Know you not that you're bought with a price, you're not your own. I belong to Jesus. I need to worship Him. I need to choose that one good thing. I need to recognize that there is only one thing that really matters in this life, and that is my walk with Him. Whatever I've got to give up, whatever I've got to lay aside, whatever I've got to push out of the way, I need Jesus. More than I need anything else. Some years ago, there in the prison, had a boy sent me a sent me a note to my mailbox in the chapel. I opened the note and I began to read it, and it said, "Dear Pastor, I know you preach the truth." And I, I, and I know that you, you tell everyone that comes to the service what they need to hear and not what they want. And that you preach without fear or favoritism. 
And I know that I am not serving God where I need to. And therefore, I'm not coming back. And I am going to take my chances that whether I die or Jesus comes back, that when I stand before him, he'll tell me, well, it's okay. He said, I, I am just, I think I, I, I can do it that way. And I looked at the letter and I said, God, have mercy. This man deceived to think that he could be busy doing other things and not being at the feet of Jesus. Listening to his word and letting him do something for him. If you're here tonight, I would admonish you that whatever the Lord is asking of you, that you gladly give it up. That you gladly give it to Him. The altar is open. And that you gladly say, Yes, Lord, I will serve You. Because You're far more important. You're that one good thing that I really need to have. You see, when this life is over, and we stand before the Almighty, the one thing that will be said is either depart from me or well done. I want a place where the Lord speaks to me and tells me, well done. God bless you all tonight. Let's just all find a place of prayer. Let's seek the face of God. Let Him work in your life.